It's March 1st. First, wow, time goes by super fast. 2017, of course, uh, you're listening to Bite Marks Cafe, of course, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and of course, the startup scene. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. We're going to check the local SciTech calendar, and then we're going to get an update from Ted Ralston, Jim Christofuli, and Hank Rogers about the Aerospace Initiative in Hawaii. And since the Aerospace Summit was just last year, we want to know what progress has been made in this legislative session. Of course, First, we want to tell you about the calendar, the tech calendar. That's right. On Friday, March 10th and Saturday, March 11th, there will be the next AT&T Hackathon. It's going to take place at Sacred Hearts Academy. It's a mobile app hackathon produced by the AT&T Developer Program, and it's designed for attendees that are interested in coding mobile apps or hacking hardware solutions. Participants are invited to bring their laptops, skills, and ideas. They can come with a collaborative, team-focused mindset or even form a team in advance. Available hardware at the hackathon will include Arduino boards, Raspberry Pi, two computers, Internet of Things starter kits from Intel, and more. There will also be experts from AT&T and the local community to assist on-site with development. And yes, there are going to be prizes, including a $2,500 grand prize. Again, that'll be the AT&T Mobile App Hackathon on Friday, March 10th, and Saturday, March 11th at Sacred Hearts Academy. And I just happened to be talking about open data on Monday for the AT&T Hackathon. So anybody interested in open data, check that out. We'll post the... uh, the uh, actual invitation on the show notes later on tonight. And, of course, during spring break, March 20th through the 24th, the folks over at PCAT, the Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training, will be hosting a Gen Cyber Student Spring Camp over at Honolulu Community College. High school students will be introduced uh, to uh, using HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, essential languages for web programmers and cybersecurity analysts, and they uh, will eventually will also work with uh, virtual operating systems, environments, and create simple web applications. This learning opportunity is made possible thanks to funding from the National Science Foundation and the National Security Agency. The uh, camp is free, but enrollment is limited. There are only 22 seats left as of this broadcast. And, of course, the registration will close on March 10th. So, Again, this is the Gen Cyber Student Spring Camp from March 20th to the 24th, and that's over at Honolulu Community College. And as always, for links to these events, you can visit our website at bitemarkscafe.org. And we are joined by a very good panel today. Of course, uh, Jim Christofoli, Ted Ralston, Hank Rogers. Uh, Jim works over at DBED in the Hawaii Office of Aerospace Development and provides a focal point with the state government for development of an aerospace industry here. Of course, Ted, who's here in the studio with us, is an ex-aerospace industry executive and a well-respected consultant on unmanned aerial vehicles. He is now the director of unmanned aerial systems at the University of Hawaii. Finally, last but not least, certainly not least, is Hank Rogers. He's the chairman of Pisces, for example. He also serves as president and CEO of Blue Planet Software, the sole agent for the Tetris franchise, founder of Blue Planet Foundation, a nonprofit that works on clean energy advocacy, and founder of Blue Startups, Hawaii's first venture accelerator. And of course, how are we moving forward on the aerospace front? And first, we want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, uh, appreciate being on this show, and it's a great opportunity to bring our information up to the public. Good. All right. Um, so, Hank, uh, you know what I do want to ask you uh, <coughs> is you had uh, mentioned, and I actually got you quoting the uh, big, hairy, audacious goal, and maybe you could help uh, 
repeat that and articulate what is that big, hairy, audacious goal for aerospace in Hawaii that you, uh, you, you so eloquently said at the Aerospace Summit? Yeah, so the uh, <clears throat> big, hairy, audacious goal is that we should build a moon base. Um, first in uh, on the Big Island of Hawaii and eventually on the moon. Uh, we have all of the technology that we need in Hawaii, and actually the technology that we want to have in Hawaii, basically using basalt or regolith or whatever you call the stuff that the volcanoes are made out of, which also happens to be the stuff that the moon and Mars are made out of. If we learn how to build stuff, 3D print with that stuff, we will not only have done a lot of uh, good for Hawaii, but we will have our first moon base. Now, Hank, you've been obviously very critical to the progress and uh, ongoing success of the high seas mission there on the Big Island, a, a uh, analog Mars habitat on the Big Island. So I would imagine you would be saying we can capitalize on this experience and, and look toward the moon. Absolutely. Um, the Mars thing is, is more about figuring out, figuring out how people survive for long periods of time in, uh, you know, in cramped conditions with a small number of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the moon is a, a whole other thing. It's only three days away by 1960s technology. So um, we can easily build and we can easily, like, resupply. And if something goes wrong, we can send somebody to, uh, to help. But on Mars, you know, you're, like, stuck for a year or more waiting for the next uh, rocket ship to arrive. And so the moon is a lot more accessible, and it's a good practice area for us to learn how to live in other places. So, Hank, you know, I, um, we've uh, we actually had uh, Kim, Kim Binstead on last week, and we were talking about the high seas. And, you know, the investment that you've made in that facility obviously has a lot to do with... Uh, you know, a, a Mars mission and, and long-duration uh, uh, space, mis- space missions. Do you think that what, what kind of, let's say, facility needs to be established here if we're sort of now pivoting to uh, the moon and a, and a lunar settlement? Um, basically, I think we just need to have a place to build it. Um, so we're looking for uh, real estate. Um, and uh, what kind of facility? You know, I, I plan to um, have people make a, a simile of the moon base. In other words, not using all the 3D printing. Just make one that looks like what a moon base will look like. And we can use that as a staging ground mm-hmm. for studying or, uh, I don't know, doing the workshops of whatever it takes for us to build moon stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. And, uh, Jim, I mean... In terms of the vision that uh, that that Hank has, uh, what has the progress been? I guess in this legislative session to help move that forward. Yeah, well, there is legislation uh, currently moving through session, um, requesting our Office of Aerospace Development to facilitate formulation of a multinational lunar architecture alliance with representatives from government, industry, academia to provide recommendations and guidance for the development of a prototype lunar base on the island of Hawaii that would include but not be limited to modular habitats, uh, telerobotic systems, communications networks, cislunar positioning and navigation systems, and in situ resource utilization technologies. This idea stemmed from a uh, Next Giant Leap conference we held in Hawaii years ago with the goal of promoting 
collaboration rather than competition uh, among various spacefaring nations that want to go to the moon, building upon complementary resources and capabilities that would ultimately help reduce the costs, enhance the benefits, and hopefully accelerate timetables for future space missions. Um, emphasis will also be on forming public-private partnerships uh, to sustain support for this program moving forward. So we hope to launch this uh, Lunar Alliance through an international lunar summit in Hawaii hmm. uh, that will be coordinated by our office during the fall of this year. Uh, it will The summit will primarily focus on identifying the major goals and challenges associated with the design and validation of a prototype lunar base in Hawaii, as well as the formation of strategies for enabling these public-private partnerships that will support the organization and implementation of multinational research activities and commercial ventures, both on the lunar surface and in cislunar space, uh, toward the development of what a lot of people, including folks like Jeb Bezos, are referring to as a sustainable space economy. Mm. Uh, and Jim, I hope you definitely keep us posted on that progress. I did want to ask you, this might be a little out of left field, but is your timing just fortunate to be focusing on lunar exploration when there are reports now that NASA has been kind of prodded to do a feasibility study by the current administration to look at perhaps returning manned missions to the moon? Uh, this is serendipity. Uh, we're we're, we're uh, definitely uh, going to build upon this uh, momentum. Uh, but, of, of course, we had this idea before the Trump administration came on board. But mm. uh, we have also heard that there is uh, significant interest in returning to the moon. And, you know, it's, it's not the false choice between should we go to the moon or Mars. Right, right. The moon is a stepping stone to get to Mars and elsewhere. And let me just add that the same technologies that we'd be developing to survive on the moon and, uh, and, and mine its resources in, in renewable energy, additive manufacturing, broadband telecom, all of these technologies can be applied on our home planet to help improve qualities of life here. That's so ex- it's sort of a, this dual-use approach that's so attractive. Yeah, absolutely, and good timing. Well, you know, that's, uh, you know, and there's a lot more we can, we can uh, ask you about this uh, Lunar Alliance. But I want to I wanna bring uh, Ted into the conversation. Ted is here in the studio with us. And, of course, uh, we've had Ted on talking about drones and UAVs uh, a multitude of times. Uh, give us a sense of what uh, you see happening since the Aerospace Summit. And you were there talking about, you know, the opportunity for, for drones and UAVs. What's, what's happening now in terms of this legislative session and some of the work that's going on in, y- in your field? Well, there certainly is a lot of action in the legislative session this time. There must be 25 different bills that have UAS in them in mm-hmm, some way. Mm-hmm. About eight are dominant, and uh, they've gone through a lot of hearings, and there's several that are still moving forward. So a lot of them are being sidelined momentarily while they're being adjusted. But I think one of the things that's going to come out of this is a realization that, that Hawaii doesn't stand alone. We have to work with the other states that are working with UAVs as well. And so we're going to see a lot of interest in a, uh, a legislative task force that has a permanent uh, stance, and it will uh, associate with the other states. Uh, I think ideally the states were associated with already Oregon, uh, Mississippi, and uh, Alaska through our Pan-Pacific Unmanned Air Systems Test Range Complex, which I happen to be currently uh, in charge of right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, there's other folks who are working on these problems as well. So by getting together, we'll get a better handle on what the, the solutions look like and find a better way to implement them. Is locally. there a specific bill that um, you're tracking or following or that you feel kind of exemplifies this, this vision? Yeah, there's one called, four, it's uh, HB 1478, House Bill 1478, which is seeking to 
uh, develop and, uh, and put out in the public the UAS technologies that are necessary for us to move forward here. What we're going to have to do in something like UAS, where you have a technology like that, is really get a lot of community involvement, positive community involvement. It's got to be fully transparent. Everybody's got to see what's going on so that they understand what these are all about. Let me put it this way in a very simple example. If you saw one surveyor on the street in front of your house, you'd think nothing of it. Two surveyors, no big deal. 500 surveyors in front of your, your house, you'd kind of wonder what's going on here. Same thing with drones. If you see one, that's probably okay. Two, but how about 500 over Honolulu? How about 1,000? Mm-hmm. We really have to incorporate this technology in a planned way, and that the planning has to start with the community. So that's one of the major issues of 1478, getting an operating manual for the state that hmm. fits with all the departments, the film office all the way to the police and fire and, and uh, public safety, something that works for us all, and then do a bunch of community events with the uh, HARP teams or the CERT teams in, in the schools and the kids and the parents, uh, the scout troops and such, and start making sure and testing in this way that this is all going to work right for us. Well, you know, I think everybody is, when I say everybody, a lot of geographic regions are jumping onto the UAS, UAV uh, opportunity. We all know that China is really accelerating in terms of the manufacturing of of drones. Uh, I am curious to hear what you have to say about what unique position does Hawaii offer this industry, and how can we capitalize on that? I think what we have here is the island mentality, which is we've got to solve the problems ourselves, we've got to solve them internally, referencing folks on the outside, but the solutions have to work here. If we can make things work here, they can be exported elsewhere. We have a very tight connection here between Pacific Command, for example, between the National Guard, between the fire and public safety people. And so we have all the elements that are going to be touching UAS or UAVs kind of working together already. And so it's a great uh, opportunity to find how we can rapidly accelerate this incorporation. Uh, in other areas, you have much larger, uh, like California or something very large. In fact, at the Oroville Dam situation in the last couple of weeks, a lot of very well-placed UAV operators showed up, including some from Hawaii, with very good equipment. They're certified and all the right marks, but none of it could be used because the system in place could not, did not have a way to accept that technology in the, in the presence of, any, of a, a disaster that was underway. Well, you know, I, I do want to continue that conversation about the, the drone activity. I also want to get back to Hank about uh, some of the things that, that you see, Hank, you know, in terms of the big picture. But before we get back to that, we want to take a short break. We'll be uh, right back, and we will continue our conversation with Hank Rogers, Jim Christofoli, and Ted Ralston about Hawaii's aerospace future. Of course, this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Urgent Care Hawaii. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And if you're just joining us, we're talking to Hank Rogers, Jim Christofuli, and Ted Ralston about Hawaii's aerospace future. Of course, uh, right before the break, I wanted to get uh, back to Hank and say, hey, you know, you've been sort of having the big picture of aerospace. I mean, you've got your finger in high seas. You've got uh, things going on with Pisces. Of course, you know, you're, you're probably well connected with, uh, with Ted along with the uh, UAV uh, marketplace in terms of uh, maybe entrepreneurship. What do you, how do you see all of this coming together? I mean, there are so many different aspects of, of this topic is there a way that uh, we can all sort of get our arms around it? Well, so we can't live in Hawaii based only on tourism 
supporting the military and the construction industry. There's got to be more to living in Hawaii and, and having jobs in Hawaii than that. Uh, we graduate excellent people from the universities, uh, engineering, um, all of the right qualifications, and there's no jobs for them here. They are forced to go to the mainland, frankly, where the money is. Um, and so instead of sending all of our money to Wall Street and none of it comes back, let's spend some in Hawaii and, and create a new industry. I think the industry of space exploration is an excellent industry for Hawaii. We have the right geography. We have the right geology. We have the right culture. When I say culture, um, you know, I sailed with uh, Hokulea a number mm. of times, and that is the culture that got people to come to Hawaii in the first place. And fast forward, I don't know, a thousand years, whatever it is, now we have, we're the last place to be discovered on Earth. Uh, we originally originated in Africa, and here we are. This is the place where we have the right culture to go to the moon. So let's use those assets that we have and do something that's worth uh, talking about in the future. Uh, this will be our, our legacy. Absolutely. Now, Hank, um, you had a great interview with the Huffington Post and talking about, uh, for example, Elon Musk, someone else that someone else that many people see as a visionary who has the resources and the ambition to get big things done. And, um, you know, I think even Bert has mentioned that you're kind of like Hawaii's uh, Elon Musk in that way. But what I wanted to ask you is where will the where will the resources and, frankly, where will the money to do these grand plans come from? You talked about public-private partnerships. We can't only certainly expect legislative allocations and budget line items to help us get there. I think private industry and certainly organizations that you work with are going to be a key part of that. Yeah, look at, at the International Space Station. Every spacefaring country, with the possible exception of China, built a piece of that uh, Space station, and this is exactly how the the moon base will be built. It'll be built. It'll be a uh, a consortium of international. In the case of the space station, it was countries, but now there's a whole new factor with entrepreneurs doing uh, space, the business of space. Mm -hmm. And so that's where that's where it comes from. I mean, where does the money come from? It comes from all over the place. Uh, where does the money come from for the Apollo mission? Well, that was here. But in the case of the space station and the moon base, it'll come all over the world. Well, you know, I, I, and that's a, a great place to start. And, of course, you know, with uh, Jim Christofoli and, and the, the sort of this multinational lunar alliance, I know that just uh, recently passed through uh, the finance committee. Jim, uh, tell us a little bit about what you would need from the ledge in terms of uh, monies to make something like that happen. Uh, we're not asking for any money at all uh, to launch this alliance. We are looking for international partnerships from the private sector, from the public sector. We have been contacting uh, national space agencies around the planet. I was just communicating with the European Space Agency this morning. They're fully on board with this concept. We're talking with the uh, Consul General of Hawaii next week about this concept to bring Japan on board. Uh, we're in contact with the Canadian Space Agency talking with NASA. At the moment, they don't have an administrator, a new administrator, and the NASA space policy has not been set in stone yet. But our understanding is they're definitely looking back uh, toward the moon, again, as a stepping stone for future space exploration and all the wonders it can bring to our home planet. But, so, uh, but we're also looking at other programs, you know, around the state. As you know, we're working on or completing an environmental assessment for a uh, commercial spaceport at Kona, 
so that space planes can launch and land uh, at Kona International to bring uh, experimental payloads and uh, Earth-orbiting satellites and tourists to space, uh, help expand and diversify our uh, space industry. Uh, we're also uh, looking at, well, you know, the UAS test range. Ted's talked about that. Pisces is working on a number of programs. Aviation maintenance and training is another low-hanging fruit for mm. the state, big time. Uh, we need to fix airplanes when they come here. We need to train pilots. And I know the University of Hawaii is looking at this, and some private sector folks have approached us recently about this. Very interesting possibility. Now, but actually... This, this multinational lunar outpost is, is really exciting, and it's got a lot of people uh, around the planet uh, very interested. It, it absolutely does sound very exciting. And, in fact, you mentioned the University of Hawaii. You mentioned space tourism, in fact, just this week. You know, Elon Musk saying we're going to send two people around the moon next year. So it's already, you know, coming to reality. But uh, speaking of the university, speaking of the, the pipeline for skilled people... Um, uh, Ted, the University of Hawaii, anywhere where you have what they call hotbeds of innovation, there are top-tier research universities kind of feeding that pipeline of professionals and experts and scientists to make that happen. Um, how would you c- characterize the University of Hawaii's commitment to this aerospace uh, industry initiative? Well, I can certainly speak from the unmanned air systems, UAS uh, uh, portion. Mm-hmm. We've got the research uh, proposals into the NSF and other places for some of the advances are going to be necessary to move the UAS game forward from where it is to a very durable and uh, sustainable uh, configuration. What we have right now is issues of uh, in the communications domain and the flight management guidance and control domain and basic reliability of these systems, which are all single string. And we've got to get them into a higher level of reliability so that they can serve the public who buys them or the public safety people and not fail. And that takes um, some engineering effort. So uh, there's going to be a lot of change in the technology. In fact, we're being kind of assisted here by the uh, uh, Department of Commerce's uh, RTCA, which is the group that manages electronics, uh, software, and radios in airplanes. They're starting to take a look at drones to come up with standards for drone uh, software. And the uh, ASTM is coming up with standards for tech for the propulsion and structures and things like this. So we're going to be seeing an ordered growth in, in, a, in a regulated sense of, uh, of the next level of technology needed, and UH is participating in that directly today. Now, Hank, uh, you know, we're talking about UH, and, and, of course, you're very involved with UH with, with high seas. Do you see any other programs at UH, uh, like maybe their CubeSat program that might be contributing to the advancement of aerospace, uh, you know, the aerospace industry here in Hawaii? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, if, if we had more stuff for the graduates to do after they graduate, mm. there would be more stuff happening at the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, you know, right now what we're doing is we're, we're training people to go and work somewhere else. Um, I think the university is like one of the top 10 research uh, universities in the country. We just need to leverage that into something that creates an an industry here at home. So how does that industry get kick-started? I mean, I know we've talked about this a multitude of time and it sounds like there needs to be someone fairly large, uh, you know, whether it's a SAIC or a McDonnell Douglas or somebody, or Northrop, you know, I mean, somebody <laughs> building a facility here. Well, you're not going to get one of those companies to come here just because we ask them, please come and build something in Hawaii. Right. That's right. It's not the way it works. So how does it, how does it something, work? We have to have something for them to do that's worth coming to Hawaii for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, been, you know, at Pisces, it's been our job to try to figure out how to entice these companies to come and do business in Hawaii. 
And I think the, the best way to, for them to do business in a way is to think of a project that they can do or be a part of rather than asking them, like, can you please build a facility in Hawaii? You know, that, that requires sort of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars of incentives. Right. Uh, when basically if we say, look, we're building a moon base and all these guys are in, you guys want to in, then you got to come to Hawaii. It's a whole different thing. Right. This doesn't take money. It just takes willpower. Mm-hmm. You know, Hank, you just I need the... to open the door. And, and, you know, Hawaii has this sort of a bad rep uh, because of things like the Super Ferry and the TMT, which is still, you know, in, in, pro- in process. Uh, we, need to, uh, we need to end that. We need to say Hawaii is open for business, for tech. Come to Hawaii and do something. And if we, you know, if we build a moon base here, that will change the perception that the world has about Hawaii. Absolutely. When you go to San Francisco, San Francisco has more tourists than Hawaii, and yet it is also a high-tech capital of mm. the world. Why can't we do that? The answer is we can. So, Hank, uh, there, there is a bill, I think it's HB 574, and it uh, looks to create a, uh, a tax that, you know, from monies that, that uh, are, are, you know, gotten from some of the, like, uh, Hawaiian dredging and, you know, that would contribute to Pisces. And it seems to have passed through the, the Finance Committee. Do you have any feeling for how that is moving along? I, I have no feeling. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I, I wish the legislator, legislature would see that the, that the business of space exploration or aeronautics altogether is a great industry for us to have in Hawaii and that they would put some, how can I say, some money where their mouth is weak. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, it has to happen. And gosh, it would be so nice if, if the legislature would support us in our efforts. Uh, Jim, very quickly, your thoughts on that Pisces bill? Is It's only one small piece of the puzzle, I imagine. That's the, know, well, the basalt mining of, bill. Uh, initiatives out there. Some are legislative and some are sort of behind the scenes talking to people and trying to build these partnerships. I think the key to moving forward on all this is to build international collaboration. Because as soon as you can see not only international governments, but uh, international uh, players in, in the industry coming to the fore and, and sharing complementary resources and capabilities so that they, they recognize that if we do that, the cost per capita is going to go down. Mm. The benefits are going to go up, and the time frames to get these programs launched is going to really be reduced significantly. And uh, there's just a lot of momentum right now globally uh, to get back into space. I mean, humankind has not gone beyond low-Earth orbit for almost half a century since the Apollo program, and it's time that we did that. And you have Japan and Canada and Europe and India and, and Russia. I mean, all of these companies are are, are definitely looking very significantly in a very determined way to launch beyond low Earth orbit within the next decade for sure. And And we're trying to accelerate that process, leveraging Hawaii's strategic mid-Pacific location, our moon-Mars-like terrain, uh, and uh, we have resident expertise here on a variety of areas in small satellites, in developing new technologies for sensing. Thanks, Jim. You know, we have got only a couple minutes left, a couple seconds left, and... uh, Ted, I mean, where can we find out more about the work that you're doing at UH? Wow. Uh, we have to come up with some kind of a, a, a distribution of, of information, uh, without a doubt. Not only that, we also have to come up with a way to collect information that's developing out there. The whole UAV thing is developing so fast 
that it is it is really hard to get your arms around it. I will certainly admit that. We'll take your challenge on. Okay, sounds good. Well, of course, Jim Christopher Foley spearheads the aerospace efforts over at DBED. Ted Ralston is a well-respected consultant in the field of UAVs and UASs. And, of course, Hank Rogers is a visionary entrepreneur and leader in Hawaii's aerospace future. Thank you for all for joining us today. Thanks very much for uh, having us here. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Please join us next week. We're going to talk about startup companies in the med tech sector. And, of course, if you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Or you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Koslovich. And, of course, until next week, stay safe, and we'll see you on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.